Yeah. That's like my mom. Hey mom, there's this uh there's this anime. It looks really cool. It's called Ninja Scroll. We're in the living room watching Ninja Scroll, and I I seem to, I seem to recall my mother saying something like, "Oh my God, I'm a terrible mother." <laughs> <laughs> Yellow Line from the anime Red Line by the artist James Shimoji, and that shit is my jam. I love that song. That is one of my favorite songs out there. This is episode 173 of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, where we broadcast live from Japan and get up at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings off to do it just for you. That's right. Our sole mission is and always will be what, boys? To make your Your anime addiction worse. Oh, you guys got to practice that. I just slipped it. We did it so well. That's amazing. That was that was embarrassing. Um, I, I don't feel embarrassed. We were we were supposed to be jo- joined with by uh, Soul Bro Ryu from the Gundam at MHQ podcast. Really good friends of the show, but unfortunately, um, something about Florida being well stupid, and the cable for the internet for the whole state is gone. Or they were all doing bath salts. <laughs> bath salts and eating each other's faces those Floridians accidentally ate through the internet cable no something about a catastrophic internet failure just before the show so that has been postponed but we will be getting him on this show he can't escape our clutches for long you can find us at aaapodcast.com iTunes don't forget to drop us a rating on iTunes especially if you like us facebook.com forward slash anime addicts anonymous podcast if you give us a like Chiaki will dance for joy because I feel like we're like who like short of 2,000 likes? We are. We've been close for a while. And so I want that. I want that 2,000. Make it happen, listeners. Make it happen. Twitter.com forward slash AA podcast. Don't forget to follow us there, too, to see all of our Twitter or our Twitter updates and broadcasting live on Ustream.tv. Now, the time that of our live broadcast will be changing because the show is growing and adapting and having life over here in Japan. And one of those things is uh, some of us have gotten new jobs that will render the previous time not 
possible. So our new time is what, Mitsugi? I think we decided 9.30 p.m. Saturday, EST. All right. There you go. You guys voted. We put up a poll on the main site, and you had the, the uh, capability to change that time. So Cram can't get up this early anymore. I'm Also, I'm hungover. So. Aw, Cram. Yep, buddy. We were drinking last night together. I drank a lot. I drank a lot of liquid. I didn't. <laughs> Normally when you drink, it is liquid. I, I didn't drink nearly as much as you, but I remember skipping down your hallway to the bathroom, and that was like the best thing ever. And then you had to announce it to everyone. <laughs> it was. It was so much fun, though. Skipping when your head is a little woo is, is, is a great time. Um, it's a great time. But yes, as someone pointed out, Saturday does mean that there is a capacity to do drinking episodes, though it's going to be like 10 a.m. for us. That's a really early wow. start still. To I've started that early before. <laughs> well, we'll we'll do it once, once in a blue moon for you guys. So new forum members, um, welcome MMO Going Y, Belron, Ghost Dini 85, and JL Franklin 18. Oh my God. That's... Maybe the first time ever that Chiaki has not destroyed I hate a you. single name. I hate you. This is incredible. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, my name of the week is going to be Ghostini85. Ghostini85. I took that stuff right from your hand, right from your mouth. Jinx, you owe me a Dragon Ball cider. Give me my cider. I'll be, op- I'll be opening this Dragon Ball cider momentarily. Sad panda. Okay, I'll take Belron. I don't know why, but it makes me think of someone from Game of Thrones. I'm not taking anyone. You know why? Because these names aren't up to snuff. <gasps> I'm challenging all new forum members to make awesome usernames. Yeah, we do and have some awesome names. Yeah, we do. And, and it, it, until you do, Cram will not have a name of the week. Oh, no. Um, oh, there you have it. I actually I want more animal names. We we had a zoo for a while. We had a we had some grizzly bears and we had an anime cow, and a lot of our animals have wandered off. We need to keep them penned in better. Um, this is not Minecraft. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> the world is Minecraft. So trivia: the correct answer and the last answer for this round of trivia was Kilua from Hunta Hunta. Those who got it correct were Cool Manio, Nelly1876, Astrophysics, Icy Rose, Tyvoon, Ragey, Under a Bridge Eating Billy Goats, Bobo 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 Bobots Go, Friend, and One Lost Panda. There's an animal name right there for you. Yeah, we must have lost. Another zoo must have lost the panda. One Lost Panda is a great name. And we took the panda. We'll take you in, Lost Panda. You're now found. You're now one found panda. Um. The winner for the round was Bo 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 Go. That was too many bows. But isn't the show Bo 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 Bo? It's only nine of them. There's a way the kana is written in such a way that you can remember it if you know how the kana is written. And I think I think it's Bo 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 Bo. It's it's eight. It should be eight. Whatever. In the show, anyway. I don't Bo 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 Go. Bots go. If you say that even one more time, I'm going to be really annoyed. Bo, bo, bo. <laughs> Who won for the month? 
The round winner was Tyvoon. Congratulations. The points value for this trivia question was 20 points. I think it's the second time Tyvoon's won. It is. Won some cash prizes. But Tyvoon, Tyvoon answers a lot. He does. So, I mean, I guess statistically speaking, if you're answering almost every question, you'll probably win more than once. So before we do the mailbag, I whoa, have... Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. Slow your roll. What I was going to say was the next month's theme is name the show based off of pictures that are not anime pictures. And hopefully you'll see what I, what I mean when it's up and you'll figure it out. The end. So before we do the trivia, or before we do the mailbag, I have a Dragon Ball Cider that I purchased from a, from a vending machine. The last Dragon Ball drink, you see them lining the table in front of you, was a very unappealing orange soda flavor. This is dra literally Dragon Ball Cider Cida. And I'm, hap Cida. I'm, I'm hoping that it, that it takes away the bad taste from the last Dragon Ball Z movie. <laughs> So I'm going to open this very loudly so you can hear it. That was actually like... And I'm going to open this drink now and have a sample of it. And let's, see how it let's see what it tastes like. That sounded like a can opening sound bite. It was so perfect. Yeah, it was good. It's quite refreshing. Is it? I want some. Somewhere between cream soda and Sprite. Does it have alcohol in it? I don't believe so. You know, so sorry. Oh yeah, that isn't bad. Here, Crown. This Dragon Ball soda is actually from Dragon Ball Z Kai. It has a picture of Goku on the front throwing a Kamehameha, which is pretty cool. You can see it sort of in the camera. I disapprove. Disapproval. From I give Cram. that cider one point five shitty sodas out of five. Oh well, then it's uh, you know, fitting since it's seems to be the kind of quality that they give the Dragon Ball like these days. Yeah. I just want to say, Lead Seattle in the chat, since we all just shared a soda, brought up Indirect Kiss. I want to say, this podcast has gone to a lot of conventions. I know you weren't there for some of them back, Ooh. well, for all of them back in the States, but you can only share a hotel room with with your crew before you get to that level of, I I don't care. I don't, you sneezed on it, uh, it's probably okay. Chiaki used to, used to uh, accept money for kisses at cons anyway. Five dollars and Chiaki would just lay one on you. That's prostitution. I'm I'm just saying that. That's not true. <laughs> All the listeners were like, "Shit, shit, I'm gonna go to a con." I never even gave free hugs. In fact, I didn't like the people who had. You free were hugs a stingy hugs. hug Scrooge. I only my hugs are special. I respect my hugs, and my I save my hugs for listeners, not just random people at the con. Right. Yeah. The people with the free hug signs. And the glompers can go to hell. You can die. <laughs> we, 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 should, we don't want to change this into a uh, Church of Mitsugi Seven Stages of Hell episode. We hate everything. <laughs> I hate this soda. Everything you ever loved is awful. I hate my coffee, too. We hate everything, praise be to sausage. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I don't um, know how that works. No, we hate everything sausage. <laughs> 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 All right. So, mailbag. You can submit a mailbag. 
from our main page, aapodcast.com. Who wants to read the first one? What is that webpage again? aapodcast? aapodcast.com. You, you go through it so fast that I that no one could possibly have realized how many A's there are. A, 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 podcast. This episode is out of control. <laughs> I'm excited. It I'm not gonna lie. Dear God, do you want me to do you want me to say those A's again, real no. slow? You guys, you guys are both <laughs> drunk still. I'm, I might be, I might be a little drunk. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely dehydrated, but I'm not drunk. I had some water. It's not helping. I'm high on life. I'm gonna read a mailbag before we just <laughs> get lost in in drunken rambling. The first mailbag is from Cool Manio. And Cool Minio writes, Dear esteemed host, we're esteemed again for the second week in a row. I'm so excited about that. I was wondering, as online personalities slash reviewers, do you have any online personalities that have influenced the style of your reviews or commentary? For example, I have been heavily influenced by the nostalgia chick, Lindsay Ellis, as I have always taken a sardonic, or, I'm sorry, as I have always taken a sardonic look on life, but she has heightened it. Okay. So, what about you guys? If not, are there any other podcasters' personalities that you look up to without being specifically influenced by them? Um, I, you know, it, it, in this instance, it almost works out that he's not here because I'm, then I'm not going to really sound like a suck up. But Solbro from Gundam at MHQ, I mean, he puts together an amazing show every week. That man spends so much time editing that show and puts so much love into it, and you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how much you can really give someone credit for this, but he has a great radio voice, and that you know, it is smooth as butter. Much like Cram. Yeah, Cram, you have a good radio Thank voice you. too. Thank you so much. I, I don't, I don't, I don't even know if I could do radio voice. Um, Sober also has the best laugh ever. Yeah. <laughs> which is, we which is we nice. sell it. We sell like we're gonna write him a love love letter. Dear, I so am. Bro. I'm writing a love letter right now. Dear <laughs> Sobro, you have you a beautiful are so laugh. so funny. Yay! Um, but uh, as as far as people like, he's obviously someone that I look up to and 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 appear. I guess you could say in the quote unquote industry that is podcasting. Um, but I don't really have anyone specifically that I. You know, I, I take my reviews from, or or I I'm I not take, but um, I I get the kind of format or what I want to do. In fact, I think more often than not, rather than one singular person, but the internet on a whole, my reviews come from when I'm puttering around YouTube or when I'm puttering around the the interwebs, and I find a review of an anime, and I I it's like this. 13 year old person with a webcam who's like this sucks and this isn't good and then this happens and I'm like oh it hurts so I think I'm more influenced by what I don't want to be than than what I want to be for me I I have a I I listen to a lot of podcasts but some of the ones I really like are uh, I like Kevin Smith's podcast um Smodcast specifically uh I like the Slash Film Cast, which is like a movie review uh, podcast, and the, there's a guy on there named Adam Quigley that I, I really agree with a lot. So, um, yeah, him. I mean, I, I listen to This American Life's podcast and, uh, and a bunch of different stuff. So I, I don't know if that I'm influenced by them so much as I just kind of look up to those guys and kind of appreciate what they're doing and want to, uh, I don't know, somehow emulate their their uh, artistic integrity. 
by doing a podcast myself. But uh, yeah, no, 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 I like podcasts a lot. So yeah. Are we helping you fulfill a dream, Cram? That, yes, that's what this is. I listen to a lot of ESPN, so you guys already know that. I figure ESPN is probably the most, one of the most professional sources for podcasts. And uh, for example, you know, Colin Cowherd, Mike and Mike. All the sports radio guys that have been doing this for years and years. Bobots Go brought up one more, NPR. I know I'm going to sound like a weirdo when I say this, but I really like NPR. And when I was a kid, my dad would listen to NPR weird. in the car on the way home from school. And I really enjoyed that. <laughs> so. This American Life is NPR, and it's, it's really good. They have a really great podcast. I really like it. All right, really, so really the, polished. So the next question. Mr. Freelance writes, Good morning, AAA crew. Thank you, it is morning. Now, I know you did a review on school days way back when you first started, but I can't be bothered to look for it, so I just want to know what you all think of this god-awful show. <laughs> I put this on here to feature the new website that there you I go. built. I already did it. Oh, did you? Yeah, I went onto the website, and there's a bar right at the top that says search. I typed in school days, and it told me that not only did we give school days a 2 out of 5, but we also reviewed it in episode 8 which was like three years ago. So if you want to hear that review of School Days, which is a less than admirable show, go check out episode eight. Yes, the end. Ah, we're going to make you still look it up. Um, School Days is one of those shows, i just say one sentence. School Days is one of those shows that when you find out what the shock value is before you watch it, there's no point in watching the show because the rest of it is really, really bad. Yeah. If there's no surprise, then there's really no point in watching it. The end. Also, we'll try to get Solbro for next week. Can't promise, but uh, we will. We'll get him on here. The kick is we must have JoJo. He can't run from us for too long. So once more, just in case you missed it earlier, our new um, our new broadcast time is officially 9:30 p.m. EST or 10:30 a.m. JST. So just so everyone knows, barring, of course, uh, one or two uh, foreseeable changes in the future, but we'll always announce it in advance. So hopefully more new people can make it. And today we're talking about a studio spotlight of production IG. And then we will be reviewing the anime Sami-san at Gambaranai and Onegami Den. So stay tuned. out there, this is Chiaki, and this is your anime news break. First up, the new Dragon Ball Z movie, Dragon Ball Z Kamitokami, or Dragon Ball Z Battle of the Gods, has sold almost 1 million tickets for just over 1 mil billion yen, which is about 12 million US dollars in Japanese theaters during the first five days. As a result, it's currently projected to sell more than 1 million tickets by its sixth day. 
The film opened in 312 movie theaters, including 16 IMAX digital theater films, which I'm pretty sure it's the first anime film to ever make it to IMAX. It sold just over 500,000 tickets for just over 7 million US dollars on its first weekend alone. So the film is doing pretty well here in Japan. In other news, Tokyo Big Sight Convention Center has posted a notice to discuss the response to the threats that led to the cancellation of events linked with Kuroko's basketball manga. Since October, more than 30 locations tied to Kuroko's basketball have received threat letters, as we've covered before. The staff of the convention center wrote, if there is no change in the situation, these events can be held starting in May if their organizers have in-depth discussion with the authorities to ensure the safety of all attendees. The staff concluded the statement by saying that they are currently conducting thorough procedures in order to protect the attendees of the Tokyo Big Site as the first and foremost priority. So it seems like this coming Kamike, Kuroko no Basuke, is still green lit to show up among the dojin. In other news, a U.S. district judge ruled against the sale of quote-unquote used digital music in a case against the reseller ReDigi this past week. The judge stated the first sale defense is limited to material items like records that the copyright owner put into the stream of commerce. ReDigi's business model was based on users' ability to sell digital music content. After a sale, ReDigi deleted the original owner's copy via their cloud storage. So it's an interesting concept, but it's definitely a ruling that could maybe influence the future of anime as everything continues to go digital. And finally, a wraparound jacket ban for the fourth Kanojoga Flag O Odare Tara Manga has announced the staff for the upcoming anime this past week. Ayumu Watanabe from Space Brothers is directing the anime off scripts supervised by Takashi Aoshima of Kotaru-san and Yuri Yuri. Shizue Kenko, Mysterious Girlfriend X, is designing the characters, so it seems like a pretty interesting cat crew. This was Chiaki and this was your Anime News Break. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. Hey, this is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto Uzumaki, and I am an anime addict. Use your Rasengan! And we're back to the 173rd episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. This is Chiaki, one of your hosts, and I'm joined by Cram and Mitsugi. And today we're going to be doing a studio spotlight on Production IG. I, uh, I've really been uh, looking forward to uh, this uh, studio spotlight. I've been thinking about it all week, and uh, it's kept me up at night, and we're here now. So It's really, it's really like a bad whore. I'm really excited, guys. <laughs> Way to ruin it. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> you, you think about her all week, and then she keeps you up all night. Uh, what is happening? <laughs> this is this podcast episode is it has it has. She started it. She did it. I was like, that's that's NPR. We're not gonna we're not gonna be able to let Chiaki lead the episodes anymore. No. <clears throat> Vote for Chiaki to lead the episodes because Chiaki is cool. 
Yay. Um, but yes, no, really, we are doing a spotlight on uh, Studio IG. Um, and uh, it was requested by Soul Rogue, and I think it might be the start of a um, sort of a new kind of segment that we can do on the show from time to time. Um, and that is Studio Spotlights, where we will look at a singular anime studio and talk about them and their line of work and everything about them. I don't think I'd call it a segment. What you mean is a type of topic. Okay. Don't we call the these parts of the show segments, though? Yeah, but it makes it sound like, for example, this is the, this is the main topic segment. Sick him, Chiaki. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. The, the first thing I want to talk about is... is the the general the broad and and what is an anime studio because we've mentioned of course various studios in reviews and they've come up uh talking about movies and and whatever the case may be and and i think of course everyone knows the the main studio out there uh studio ghibli and i think when people think of an anime studio from japan that's what people think of. People think of Studio Ghibli, uh, at least foremost, even if they know other studios. If you went to out, up to any anime fan and just shoved a microphone in their face and said, name an anime studio, probably the first thing that would come out of their mouth would be Ghibli. Or get away from me. They or, probably, I, need, I need an adult. <laughs> or, <laughs> I need an adult. Or uh, here's my taser. Take it. <laughs> I don't know, an, an, an anime fan at a con, they, they might, I'd feel like they'd hug you before they'd tase you. But anyways, so a, a studio is a company that produces anime in its most base definition, which I know, duh, Chiaki. But I think the interesting thing worth noting, and going back to the fact that people think Studio Ghibli, is that Studio Ghibli is, is kind of an, an all-in-one. They have the directors, they have the artists they have the well i guess uh joe hisaishi isn't technically in house but right. it it's a unit where studios like production ig or a lot Be of careful huh production ig does all that stuff too they have they have directors and character designers well no producers what i was gonna say is that something like ghibli the ghibli staff works for the ghibli directors like and and the ghibli directors are ghibli where for something like production IG, it's a lot more directors can, I hesitate to say hire, but, but kind of what it is, hire that company to be their production company. So, for example, one of the people who they've worked with a lot is Mamoru Oshii. And Mamoru Oshii is a famous, famous director. We've talked about him before, but I'll just throw an anime out there to refresh your memory, Ghost in the Shell. That was uh, one of his co collaborations with Production IG. But it's not that Oshi is quote-unquote Production IG. He could just as easily go to any other different production house and has for different works. No, oh, I see where you're going with that. And so what, I'm, what my point is is that these anime studios are very, very large in scope. And when you think about them, think about that fact that really the base definition is that they just produce animated media they don't have to have directors in-house that are their directors they don't have to work with the same director every time um they don't have to create their own characters they an outside concept artist can do that and then give it to them 
Um, so it's not necessarily like a unit, like if something is Studio IG, everything that is from that was of people from Studio IG. So I know that a lot of I know a lot of contemporary studios outsource their uh, animation specifically. Like they'll do character designs and stuff in house, of course. But um, you know, when it comes down to like actually physically animating the things and, and capturing it on film or, or digital or whatever, I guess digital these days, um, they'll outsource it a lot of times to Korea. But I know that in the case of Production IG and some of the more uh, to bring up artistic integrity again, um, more artistically um, in- integritous. <laughs> integritous, I like that integritous. word. Integritous, that's not a word. But uh, more artistic, I, I think, the, with kind of more of a clarity of vision, I guess, or more, um, you know, more money to put in that kind of thing, where that kind of thing is more important to the studio, then they'll animate all the stuff in-house. And then yeah. you end up with a product that tends to be... Um, nicer looking and then and then two last notes on on production studios normally the studio that produces the anime retains all the rights for merchandising and whatnot um so it is the studios that are the ones working with like licensing licensing companies and dubbing houses abroad um the other thing is that sometimes studios are even so advanced that they hold patent rights over their um production process uh for intellectual property and defense so, getting in specifically to Production IG, um, Production IG's official website is productionig.com. Oh, man. For those of you who want to... Uh, follow along, maybe. Follow along. You can also go to productionig.com forward slash contents forward slash works to see a list of their current works uh, and, and past works. And then they also have, of course, a wiki page. That if you search production IG, I'm sure it'll be one of the first things that come up. Yeah, production IG is actually, it's actually a lot smaller of a company compared to some of the larger studios that we think of. It's, from 2012, production IG only had 120 employees, which in the United States is, would still be considered a medium-sized company. And for, and just, as, just for comparison, uh, Studio Ghibli has 300 employees. So... There's a lot of things that maybe Studio Ghibli is able to do, as Chucky said, all-inclusive. They d- keep most of the animation and the directing in-house. Some of that stuff, Production IG has to go elsewhere to, to do, and that's just some of the differences in the size of a company. And you can see that in the revenue also. According to this source, Production IG has about 400 million yen in operating income compared to Ghibli, who has... Uh, f- 1.4 billion yen. So damn. I mean, that's like six times the amount of, four times the amount of income. So, for for those of you unfamiliar uh, with production IG, I'm I'm sure you are only unfamiliar in name and not in works. That's for sure. So some of th- some of their notable works they d- worked on: Area, Blood Plus, Eden of the East, Fully Cooly with Gainax. Yeah. Ghost in the Shell, standalone complex, and the original Ghost in the Shell with Mamoru Oshii. Kimi ni Tudoke, yay! Love Hina, Mori Biko. Boo, boo, love Hina. <laughs> they actually had a hand uh, in Neon Genesis Evangelion, also again with Gainax, of course. Prince of Tennis and Triple X Holic. Some recent works are Mirai Niki, Psychopaths, Robotics Notes. Suse no Gargantia, which is one of the ones that Mitsugi is has been f- 
flipping his shit about from this season. Yeah, and also Shingeki no Kyojin, the uh, Attack on Titan. Attack so. of Titan. So, mm. uh, Guilty Crown and Kuroko no Basuke. They 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 can be held responsible for the the threats. <laughs> the bomb threats. I mean, yeah. I think considering their size, they're a really prolific studio, uh, yeah. and the the just generally the the quality of their uh, productions is really high. Actually, the first production IG thing that I ever saw was um, like like very very first thing ever was Blood the Last Vampire, like that forty five yes. minute thing. Man, that thing blew me away. Like I haven't, I haven't revisited it in a long time. I was really young when I first saw it's it. Pretty it, ugly. It, it was. Is it? Is it ugly is now? It? I always thought that it, it. I think. I think the characters are really ugly. Oh, well, that's yeah, character yeah. design. That's not animation. I actually, my my feeling whenever I've gone back and rewatched it is, yes, it it shows its age, but it's aged fairly gracefully. I mean, I, I understand that it was a project designed to. Uh, integrate CG more fluidly into traditional animation, as I understand it, and it's really short. And it's it, it's an experiment, like at its core, is is it's not meant to be something that's you know uh, you know they worked on the narrative for a long time or anything like that. It's it is really is an experiment. But uh, as far as I remember, like and, and I need to revisit it probably. It looked really good. It did. I I, I remember the first time I watched it, going wow. Yeah. And then I remember subsequent times that I've watched it because um, that came out in 2000, and of course it's it's over a decade old now. And and subsequent times that I've watched it, I remember thinking, yes, it it, it does show its age, but it looks significantly less jarring than some 3D integrated animation we see today. So it's incredibly forgivable, which brings us to another point of the studio, and that's their animation techniques. Um, Production IG is one of the forerunners for digital animation techniques. They were really one of the first studios, as you said, it was kind of a, an experiment project. It was a project that they they took and they said, "All right, let's let's try to make this let's try to make this happen and and see what we can do with it." And there, it started. Originally, way back in the day, their, one of their very first works was uh, from the PlayStation game, Ghost in the Shell, when they did some of the, the cut animation sequences, and that was kind of their soiree into digital animation. They also did the animation for the scene in Kill Bill. Yes, they oh, did. that's right, they did. I'd forgotten about that. Which looks pretty good. Yeah, I'd, I would agree with that. Um, and which, so see, many, of many course you Americans will. Are, are familiar with this. So they started with Ghost in the Shell and also did Kill Bill. And, and later they applied these techniques to Blood the Last Vampire, as we mentioned in 2000. And, and the animation holds up well today. And some of these digital, uh, digital techniques that they've been imposing, we are imposing, that they've been using, implementing, is what I'm looking for, are things such as di uh, compositing, color grading, um, they do a lot of digital storyboarding compared to a lot of other animation studios. And mm -hmm. the reason why all of this is significant is is you have to think of the animation process previously of hand-painted cells and whatnot. And 
we we did a episode a while back i forget when on on the animation process and and old school animation process but in in summary backgrounds are are drawn painted on background sheets and then you have clear pieces of plastic like material it's called wet acetate um and people will draw on the front of them paint on the back of them you had color fillers Key animation people would do the main cells, and then you had color other people do the in-betweens, and then you basically take a picture of every cell, and you string the pictures together, and it makes an animation. Make it all smooth and pretty-like. And pretty-like. But with with digital, um, digital compositing techniques, it allows for a lot more layers to be going on. What's with this newfangled technologies? <laughs> You're really channeling your your West Virginian roots. I'm just I'm just pretending like Roko's here. <laughs> that that does sound like Roko. Don't make me bust out my sling 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 blade impression. Oh no! <laughs> not today. My, my Are you sure? Time. I think no. Can't handle that. Maybe not. I don't think so. Maybe maybe it'll come up later. Maybe maybe later. But uh, what these layers allowed them to do is is they could have. Layers upon layers upon layers, which allows less material to be used when it's digital. You can edit them more sophisticated. For example, you can say, okay, for this layer, apply this lighting effect on all layers. Or for this layer, apply this lighting effect on all layers. And it allowed them to do things with the lighting and with the color palettes that they couldn't do before. And it allows them to manipulate them in such a way during the animation that really began to make kind of play with light and dark which I think you can really see in, in Blood the Last Vampire it also um, it also allowed for 3D models to be integrated more seamlessly because everything was kind of already built in the computer on layers of each other so the 3D models could interact on their own layer and and one, one fun note because we talk about him being a grumpy old man and brought him up at the beginning, but Hayao Miyazaki... Oh, I, thought you, I thought you were going to talk about me. Uh, <laughs> Hayao Miyazaki actually used some of these uh, techniques on Princess Mononoke, some of the lighting techniques. Well, you learn from the best, I guess. Um, well, I actually think Production IG was one of the first people to do it, and Miyazaki did it later. Oh. Yeah, that's why. Well, see, that's what I mean. You learn from the best. Oh, okay. Giving <laughs> that production IG some props. Oh, there we go. Another master technique on the digital level is color grading. So previously, the cells would be painted, and then there would be color matching, and the people who would paint them in tr would try to get the exact same color as the person who painted previously. And if you run out of that bottle of paint and you have to mix the new color again, oh. there's a chance that, you know, that shade of blue is going to be a little brighter or a little darker the next time around. And How much I paint do you think the studios waste? Like, oh, my God, it's, it's two small shades, too dark. <laughs> that throw the whole bucket out. Well, there are methods to, to lighten things rather than throwing it out. But I definitely think that there was some waste occurring <laughs> But um, it, a, lot of, um, a lot of control was, was lost during the days of hand-painted cells that digital has allowed studios to, to kind of gain. Um, multiple layers can be edited at once. One, you can say, ah, oh, this layer, th that color, it's a little too bright. 
let's let's mute it and then all of a sudden you don't have to worry every other layer is going to be that color I'm, i don't know too too much about this and i probably should but um i don't know if production ig got into the whole digipaint thing which is kind of as i understand it coming back to bite the industry in the ass now because they're trying to release some of these older works you know from the last 15 20 years or so they want to release them in high definition formats but the digipaint uh medium in which they painted you know their cells in when they first started doing uh, digitally painted cells they were rendered in only a certain degree of, of you know quality and when they try to upgrade that to you know a 720p or an, uh, you know 1080p um, uh, definition then you get like some artifacting and and uh, pixelation and all that kind of stuff so I, I wonder if, if if production IG was kind of part of that problem or not I, I really don't know um, but are you guys aware of that, of the whole DigiPaint thing? Not really, no. So, um, so yeah, basically, when something is, is shot on film, traditionally animated onto film, uh, you can blow it up to just about as big as you want because film just retains an insane amount of definition. Like, it, even, you know, this tiny 35-millimeter strip contains so much definition that you can blow it up to 1080p no, with no problem. But... <clears throat> Excuse me. Back in the uh, the 90s, I guess they started working with uh, this this program. I think it was a program called DigiPaint. And uh, in DigiPaint, they would only save it to a certain degree of uh, of quality. And now it's kind of becoming a problem. So you know, I, I I would be curious to know if Production IG was ever a part of that problem, or if they ever got into into that DigiPaint stuff so much that you know they're not able to release perhaps their older works on uh, the highest quality available. I, you know, that's one of the things that, that I will say I don't know. And the only thing I, I can say on one side is is be hopeful that because they were progressive so early that they were almost, that the, the phase that they might have been using that, they might have gone through quickly, like, um, but on the flip side, because they were pioneering, you know, there's always that, that risk that you take when pioneering that something you think is going to work out great doesn't really work out. Well, if the, the first Blood the Last Vampire is on uh, Blu-ray, and if I take a look at that, I'm sure that would just answer my question just, just by watching it. But, um, yeah, that'd be interesting. Also, I, I, just an opinion. I just want to throw my opinion out there. I think Blood the Last Vampire is the best thing that ever came out of the Blood franchise. Can I just say that? I'll agree with that. Well, a lot of the recent stuff's been pretty bad. I think everything after that first 45-minute short has been pretty bad. Did you see the live-action movie? I saw some of it, yes. Couldn't finish it, yeah. yeah I can't. I think maybe I fell asleep. <laughs> Which is not that unusual for me, but... Yeah, and Blood Sea was god awful. Well, do you guys remember your first production IG? Your first experience with production IG? It had to have been Love Hina. Yeah, years and years and years ago. Mine was Blood. Mine, mine was Blood. I I watched Blood is is, and I've I've mentioned this before, but Blood is definitely another one of those shows that I watched way too young. (laughs) That I found on on VHS and was like, Mom, it. It's anime. Can, can I? Can I has it? And she's like, "Okay, honey." Oh, your naive mother. <laughs> that thing is so violent. That's like it's really so, violent. That's like my mom. Hey, mom, there's this. Uh, there's this anime. It looks really cool. It's called Ninja Scroll. Oh my god. <laughs> no, no joke. And uh, we're in the living room watching Ninja Scroll, and I, I seem to, I seem to recall my mother saying something like, 
oh my god, I'm a terrible mother. <laughs> the, uh, As there's like body parts and blood falling like rain in man, the forest. That, that thing is just over the top. It's it. I mean, it's not it's not very good. It's not artistically great or anything like that. But it's a lot of fun to watch. Still, I heard I hear the Blu-ray looks really good too. I, I remember the one thing that really stands out to me about Blood. The one thing I really loved about that is like right near the beginning. She's just killed one of the the demons, and she gets off the train, and the agents come over to her, and one of the agents says, Jesus Christ, like he's looking at the mess, he's like, Jesus Christ, and she grabs him in the face for saying Jesus Christ, because it hurts her to hear those words. It was pretty badass. I just Why remember- does it hurt her? Because she's a, a creature of the night. She's evil. So he says, Jesus Christ, and she's like, oh, and she grabs his face. She's like, shut the fuck oh, up. Oh, <laughs> I see. <laughs> I... I just remember the the animation sequences in that were were just fantastic, and and production IG has done a lot of. Um, well, if you want to talk about shows that look great, I mean, we can just go back through real quick. We all know Eden of the East looks amazing. Yeah, it I think does. everybody was pretty blown away by how that show looked initially. Um, also, obviously, and of course, Ghost in the Shell looks fantastic. And I shouldn't forget to mention Guardian of the Sacred Spirit, Mori Vito. Yeah, has that one looks great. Some crazy well well animated fight scenes. I really I also really appreciate that you can't just watch a show and know that it's production IG. Yes. Like there are some studios that have that stamp on it, right? Like if you watch something Ghibli from the first frame, you're gonna be like, This is Studio Ghibli without seeing the you know, the super famous blue Totoro title or uh, studio card. Um, but with like looking down this list of their of their notable works, none of these shows look the same, like yes. character designs or anything. So I, I think that that says a lot about the the studio that you know they're very very diverse in what they're doing. And you know, and it kind of shocked me. I didn't know that I had forgotten that Love Hina was production IG. And when I first saw that, I was like, Wait, really? I, and there was kind of a feeling inside me, like I thought they were above that. <laughs> but uh, well, that was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Love Hina syndrome. Love Hina. I used to love. They, that they had their own Love Hina syndrome. Yeah. But a final, a final note on the the animation process, and and you kind of mentioned this too, Cram, and that you know all the the character concepting and whatnot. They they've said themselves that even though they do almost, well, not almost everything, but a lot of things digital. One of the main things that they don't that they don't do digitally is concept. Their original concepts and their original sketches and everything like that are hand drawn. And then, of course, I'm sure they put them in the computer and refine them and polish them and clean them up and whatnot. But it the they don't they don't pick up a Wacom tablet and start with a tablet. They they pick up a pencil. And and for me, as an artist, I greatly respect that. And and I feel like there's still an organicness to that when you have a, a pencil guiding the CG. One um, one I, and and the other thing about their style too, and and I think this is the only thing that can be said about production IG, and maybe not entirely blanket, but they do try to tend to take a more like hyper realistic style. I think about Ghosts in the Shell and even Eden of the East. In its in its own way. In its yeah, own absolutely. way, yeah. I mean, it's it's more of a love. Hina is kind of that. 
it's it's kind of that That's dark. A harem yeah. Show. Come on. <laughs> but I mean, like for the most part, when I think about a lot of the production IG anime, the the standard kind of anime tropes don't like don't come to mind. They they don't look like the standard anime right. character. And I, I think that's always a, a good thing. There, the the things that anime gets kind of harped on by some people, you know, the the spiky hair and the gargantuan eyes and whatnot, I think Studio IG downplays a little. Well, I mean, if you think about it, a studio like Ghibli, you pretty much can tell it's a Ghibli anime right away just because the character designs are so unique. Yeah. But if you go through this list of shows that we have right in front of us, if you just picture in your mind, Blood Plus, Fooly Cooly, Evangelion, and Kimini Todoke, none of them look any anything like the other. Ghost in the Shell has a very dark coloration, the characters look much more mature. Fooly Cooly has a very cartoon cartoonistic design and well, the and that's because Production IG works with works with so many other studios. And you know, it's not it's not a one hundred percent pure production all the time there's often other people at play here so i wonder how much of it is how much of of the darker more realistic designs are really a product of of uh production ig and how many of it how much of this is really attributed to the people that they work with i wonder one one thing that uh meets uh mitsuhisha ishikawa who is one of the main people involved in production ig is he in an interview he said uh, one of the biggest thing which has changed with the move from analog to digital is the fact that you can simply do more create more products make more movies and so on obviously which analog anim- with which analog animation everything you've made all the things you've drawn and so on are very limited you you make them once and then you're back to zero and you have to start again but with digital technology, you can reuse a lot of the assets and the stuff you've made. You can adapt it, change it, and make more films and more different things. And I, he goes on to say that maybe that's one of the reasons why they make so many different things is because they can use the backbones that they've developed over the process and, and just apply kind of like, think, I think like almost like a wireframe. Like here is where the background goes, and and you can throw in the background, and it can look very different, but the the base process is is the same for all of them. But the other thing that I that I will say, kind of on a a negative side for this, is that sometimes you know there's a lot more opportunity for reuse, and I'm I've seen some criticisms of production IG in the sense of. For example, one one thing, one criticism I saw was basically like a lot of background characters all looking the exact same because it's basically like copy paste the face type of thing. And so sounds like a show on Bravo. <laughs> um, and so that is one potential criticism for the digital, but. I don't think production IG falls into that too much. I think kind of as you were saying, Cram, there's an artistic integrity that I think they definitely have that, yes, budget limitations will drive a business to do things that maybe they're not entirely enthused about, but I think as artists, there's only so much they're going to tolerate. Right. They're, they're willing to sacrifice some, but I think there's, there's a level that they're just going to say, no, the answer is no, you cannot do that. 
So there's other there's also some very important people involved in the studio. Uh, as, as I said before, it's it's not a large company. There's only 120 or so employees, which you know makes it a large animation studio, but not nothing compared to some you know car companies and things like that that have tens of thousands of employees. But there are a couple of really notable people in the company that are worth mentioning. One of the founders, Mitsuhisa Ishikawa, he is basically one of the primary producers for the anime that the, that the studio creates. He has credits being the, being the producer for animation such as the Ghost in the Shell films, the Kill Bill section with uh, what was it Reno Ishii? Yeah. In the in the, uh, in the in the middle of that movie, uh, also he has done the production for the Pat for some of the Pat Labor anime, and a number of, of other things. Clear back to Blue Seed, which is a show that was on uh, the Action Channel, my God, fifteen years ago or so. Action Channel, whoa! You remember the Action Channel? Barely. They showed they they showed a considerable amount of anime on that channel. Yeah, I remember back. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Dominion some, Tank back Police. When sci, sci-fi Channel was also doing stuff like that. Sci-Fi ran Banner of the Stars. Yeah. Uh, was it Sci-Fi or Tech TV? I thought it was Tech TV. Uh, maybe I it was think Tech it's TV. Sci-Fi. I thought it was Sci-Fi. Maybe it was both. Okay. But maybe at just different points. Oh. I only named maybe three or four shows, but the 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 credits list is very very long. I mean, Triple X Holic. Uh, Sengoku Basara, and it just goes on. I, I can't list all of them, but I mean, it's probably it's over a hundred, probably a hundred or more individual anime that, that he's done, either either the planning or the production for. So, Mitsuhisa Ishikawa is a, a very, an extremely important person. So, if you're interested in him, you can look him up. Also, Takayuki Goto, who is another co-founder of the studio. Has a diff has a very different role compared to his counterpart. While while Ishikawa does most of the production, Goto primarily is a character designer. So he has done character designs on Hunter x Hunter, Ghost in the Shell, Kimagure Orange Road, The Order Ava movies, and just looking at here right here real quick because it's because the list of credits is a hundred or so long again. Uh, some of the some of the some of the Pat Labor stuff, uh, Blue Seed again, Apple Seed thirteen, and and dear Lord Blood Sea. <laughs> God help us. So. So he was behind those god awful pigtail things. So you, yeah, the the ball sack hair. Well, so so well, you 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 win some and you lose some. So you have a uh, specialized uh, people at, at the at the top of the company, and I think that that kind of. That's kind of a good way to do it because they can kind of lend their expertise and pour it down over the employees that are under them, and they can kind of each oversee a different section of the company. Goto is probably spends more time working with the designers and the artists, and Ishikawa probably spends more time working with the directors and things like that. So I think that that's uh, an, an interesting way to divide the specializations in the company. Also, some fun facts. The IG part of the company name refers to its founders, Ishikawa and Goto. So there you go, right there. They and they frequently frequently collaborate with Mamuro Oshi, who whom Chiaki already mentioned, and is one of the key 
people involved in creating the Ghost in the Shell franchise. He is the he is the creator of the Ghost in the Shell franchise. Yeah. Also, I believe he wrote the manga too. Yeah, he he was he was the original story and uh, director, and I think he might have done some concepts, but that one I'm not sure on. Also, the company's had a number of subsidiaries. Uh, Zebek, whom I'm, whom I'm sure many people have heard of, and Mag Garden, and also from 2000, from 1997 to 2006, Studio B Train was also a, a, a subsidiary, and people definitely know Studio B Train because I think they did a lot of the dot .hack stuff. Yeah, Studio B Train is, is pretty well known. When I found that out about Studio IG, I definitely was interested in that fact because there's a lot of stuff that B Train has been involved with that... You know, I wonder if if being a subsidiary of Production IG kind of helped them get get off and get and get their launch. So, do you guys want to talk about the anime? We have a few minutes. If you guys want to discuss some of the the more influential sh- series that, that that the studios worked on, let's talk about how awesome Love Hina is. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, let's do that. It's so it's so deep. It's such a ponderous character study of a. I can't. I think it's <laughs> ponderous know, character study. <laughs> this is uh, this is something that I find interesting. I'm I'm looking at their works list, and it's not specifically on one one anime or another. But I think what what I find really interesting, and what maybe I like about the studio, is in looking at their works list, they have years where they do maybe one TV series. And, and of course they're doing other things. They they put out movies, or they put out an OVA, or they put out a they special. Just, they just put out. They just put out. Stuff. Um, but I, I think it's really interesting because it makes me feel like they kind of... They kind of have these big years where they're like, okay, we're, we're only going to do a little. We're only going to put out a little because this next year we're going to be really, really busy. And so let's take this year and let's plan and let's be serious and let's think about everything that we want to that we want to put out and that we want to to work on. So I think maybe that's why there's there's a quality there because they kind of say, all right, this year is going to be a quiet year because we need to work on all the stuff that's coming out next year. I think maybe this is one of those years. Yeah, it, it while it it's just started, but there's only one so far. Yeah, but but they have the. Attack on Titan, which everybody is, I think, looking forward to because the trailer was the most epic thing since, I don't know, The Matrix. <laughs> and and also the the, the other new show, um, Suisei no Garantia, which is a mecha show. So yeah, I mean one one uh, one one example that I have of this is 2010 2011. So in 2010, they put out a music clip, three movies, an OAD, an OVA, a TV special, which let's face it is pretty much like an OVA, and one TV series, Sengoku Basara 2. And, and I'm not trying to downplay that. That is a studio keeping busy type of thing. But in the next year, 2011, they had four movies... Three TV series, two TV special. Oh wait, no, one, two, three, four, five TV series, one TV special, and two applications. Stuff that people watch too. Kimi to Doke, Guilty Crown, Blood Sea, Usagi Drop. Yeah, Usagi Drop was really popular. They, they've also done garbage. 
Oh, yeah. Cyber team in Akihabara. Oh, leave it to Cram to just, you I, know. I'm just saying, like, that's, grumpy probably, one. that's one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and they, well, did they did that. You to watched me. it, man. I mean, <laughs> yes, that's true. Well, you win some and you lose some. I think yeah. that could be said of, uh, of every studio. But I definitely think that their body of work speaks for itself. And. In, in a good in a good way and I, I think that a lot of people really like this studio because as we said of their artistic integrity because they push the envelope with things even if it doesn't work out for example one of the things that they created was Appleseed and um, well, people like that people like it we're just critical no they do and, I, and I, what I was going to say is I know a lot of people like it but it's one of those things I feel like you either love or hate because of its, it's, style, it's styling and I personally, I'm not on the hate side, but I'm not crazy about it. But you haven't gotten on the hate train with Cram yet. I haven't gotten on the hate train now. There's a seat. There's a seat open next to me on oh. the hate train. But you're, but you're a foreigner. We can't sit next to you. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I just think that because they're always pushing the envelope, of course they're gonna, they're gonna do things and they're gonna take risks, and sometimes the risks won't pay off. Sometimes they'll take that risk and they'll try to do something and it'll make people love them or hate them, but at least they're taking the risks. And I think that's one one thing that just on a business level that will keep them around for a long time because the companies that stay stagnant are the companies that eventually disappear. It's the companies that are constantly changing that stay around for a long time. I feel like I've learned a lot today about this particular studio. You just got learned. I think we need to have some different types of anime stuff on our table in front of us. For those of you I'm not hungry. watching... I'm, I messed up this week. I was supposed to bring new figures. And you these are the you dropped the ball I did. big I'm, time. I'm hungover. That's what I happens. way too much. That's what happens when you drink a lot. Random babies that you don't expect. You can't even Ooh. see the Princess of Crystal. Women, Someone moved her. Women you don't remember. And lots of the same types of merchandise. So for, so for those of you not, not, not watching live on the video, we have two very badass-looking Dragon Ball Z standee figures. These are from the Wild Style series. This, these are the only two that have come out. It looks like Goku and Vegeta with uh, after, after they've been through a hellish battle. They're like hyper-realistic. <laughs> yeah, they, they look really great. And then we have, on the other side of the table, we have a Son Goku, a Kid Goku giant figure he's like 10 inches tall and huge and then there's six or seven cans of dragon ball z soda which are unopened so we have a ton of dragon ball z stuff on the table then we have a tiny little hisoka from hunter x hunter and a very beautiful standy figure of some somebody from Mawadu Penguin it's Drum. It's the Princess of Crystal. Yeah, Mitsuge. It's the Princess of Crystal. With that, I think it's time for a news break. <laughs> and then, and, and we, all, we also have the Dragon Radar on the table. And I would be absolutely 100% remiss if I did not mention that we have the Pope Hat on the table also. Yes, the Pope Hat is on the table. All right, so that was our production IG studio spotlight, uh, something we might continue to do in the future. Obviously not production IG again, but different Well, studios. maybe production IG again. Well, maybe, yeah. Let's do it again next week. Every week. <laughs> Every week. We're now the production IG podcast. So coming up next is our reviews. We'll have reviews on Onigami Den and Sasami-san at Kamaranai. So stay tuned.
the anime fans out there, this is Chiaki and this is your Anime News Break. First up, Kyoto Animation has recently updated its website for Nagomu Tori's Kyokai no Kanta Beyond the Boundary light novel series to reveal that an anime adaptation is in the works. The dark fantasy follows a high school sophomore named Akihito Kanabara, and while he appears human, he is half Yomu and invulnerable to wounds because he can heal quickly, so he's basically the Japanese Wolverine. One day, Akihito meets freshman Nirai Kuriyama when it seems she is about to jump from the school rooftop. Nirai is isolated because of her ability to manipulate blood, which is unique even among members of the spirit world. Disturbing events begin to unfold after Akihito saves Mirai. So it seems pretty interesting and well, I watched the trailer and the trailer looks gorgeous. So this might be one that I'll have to try to snatch up when it's released. In other news, singer-songwriter Yui has returned to music with new band. Yui of Bleach, Full Metal, and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is returning to music as a vocalist for the new band Flower Flower. The four-member band will make its formal debut in the Japan Jam event on Tokyo on May 4th. The band will then play at the Tokyo Metropolitan Rock Festival 2013 on May 26th. So it'll be interesting to see how this band does, how they are received, and if they will be doing any more anime music in the future. In other news involving games and anime, Capcom has announced a cross-media production called Geist Crusher as part of its Capcom Kids project this past week. It's not only developing Geist Crusher as a Nintendo 3DS action game for release this coming winter, but also has a manga, anime, and other forms of media. The story, Guy Metal is a rare metal ore with high amounts of pure energy. It was discovered 50,000 meters underground in 2047, and mining began all around the world. However, Geist, metallic lifeforms whose bodies are entirely encrusted with Guy Metal, emerged in 2055 and began attacking people. It's now 2064 and Rekka Hayo Kimura and Siren are among those who suit up in Geist gear and battle over 100 varieties of Geist creatures. So it sounds like something that will be incredibly popular with kids and the anime should be fun also. And while we're on the subject of video game news, the site Joystick has recently reported that Square Enix Los Angeles office has laid off half of its marketing staff and around 20 in accounting, IT, and events. Five to ten in community and support staff reportedly left this past week. According to two former employees who spoke to Joystick, Square Enix will be laying off seven public relations staff members and head of marketing after June's E3 event. Joystick sources were informed that the layoffs will also occur at the company's European and Japanese offices as the company restructures. So it looks like Square Enix is going through some changes and it'll be interesting to see how this affects the future of the company. This was Chiaki and this was your Anime News Break. Don't go anywhere because we'll be back to the show soon. Hi, my name is Tadao Tomomatsu, host of Anime Sushi and international actor and interviewer. And I am an anime addict. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm an anime addict. <laughs> Thank you.
we're back. Chiaki was having a dance party. Home stretch. Home stretch. I I love this song. It just it makes me feel so groovy. I'm like, yeah. I just want to shake my shoulders. I don't think anybody on Earth watched this show. You know, that's how I Except feel. Except for us. I, that's how I feel about this show. I was actually thinking, you know, of another podcast topic of shows that we've watched that were really, really good and no one else watched them and they faded away. Like, I can name, like, three. Trapeze. Kuchubaranko. Trapeze. This one. C. The Money of the Soul and the Possibility of Control. And Go Sick. Those were all really good shows, and no one gave a ch- shit about any of them. <laughs> so yeah, well, I mean, when you never see a single cosplay, and you never hear, and you've never heard anybody other than yourself mention the show ever, it kind of makes you feel like no one gave a damn. And in fact, I haven't even I haven't even seen any advertising or promotional material for Kuchu Bronco. So whatever. Mayumi Chan. Mayumi Chan is the only advertising they need. Dear Lord, that girl is so hot. It's just, it's just unbelievable. Just Google the nurse from the anime Trapeze, and you are going to be amazed. It's something. It's something to behold. So I'm doing a review on a movie that I watched. Actually, all of us watched like the first five minutes of it, but yeah. I watched all of it. Oh, it was that one. It's it is currently f- streaming for free on Crackle, so if you have an Xbox Gold membership, maybe you can watch it online too. I'm not sure exactly how Crackle works, but maybe also online. But it's streaming for free, so. Well, I don't, but we don't know what it is yet, so why don't you tell us? <laughs> okay, so the movie is Onigami Den or Legend of the Millennium Dragon, and I don't really see how that translates at all. But whatever. So this this anime is very interesting. It it has this beginning that makes you really interested in it, and I think that's a good thing. It opens up w- basically in a battle between these these human samurais. It looks like it's set in like the 1400s Japan. They're fighting with spears and uh, bows and arrows and things. And then there's these demons. They look like something out of the out of the game Okami. They're all like wispy looking, and they have like black smoke all around them, and they're wearing tribal masks, and they're 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 having a battle. They're killing the humans, and the humans are killing them. And there's priests praying, and you know, creating spells and magic that are attacking the the wispy things. And it, it's really an interesting beginning to a show because it starts off with a bang, and I think that's good. Then the show takes a complete 180, and you're in normal, typical Japan of the. I don't know, 2010 or whatever. So, and it's focusing on a typical schoolboy named Jun Tendo. So they immediately they pull you out of the setting, which I think is very abrupt and unwelcome. And what happens is eventually, after about 10 minutes of school life stuff, a demon that looks like the same thing that was attacking the humans in the in the Japan world, in the old world starts to chase the kid in, in present-day Japan, and the boy, Jun, finds shelter in a, in a, like a monk's temple, right? And so the monk brings him to, back to the past of Japan, to the, to the other world of Japan. I don't even know if it's Japan or not, but he, t- he brings him back to the world where there's a lot of fighting. And you find out that Jun is 
somehow able to control is he is he the soulmate of a priest in the in the other world thank god thank god no (laughs) it's actually worse um june is able to control orochi a powerful eight-headed dragon and he's viewed as the savior he is confused on what he is supposed to do in the world and he thinks he's this he's kind of like shinji he's he has no confidence whatsoever he's this weak-willed I'm so weak. I can. What can? What can I do? I'm. I can't even fight. Uh. The whole movie, all the way until the end. But yet he's the savior, and they they don't really ex- give you any explanation on why he's the savior. He's ju- he just is. He doesn't even understand it. Um, so you go through the whole movie, kind of wondering that. Well, I can't really. I mean, I can't really fault them for that. I think of every. Well, not every, but almost every show that's like. You're our savior, and there's no like, okay, <laughs> all right, they're the so, savior. <laughs> so much fantasy starts that way. Yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's just you're the chosen one. Yeah, I mean, it's Harry Potter. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, who chose you? Yeah, well, but you know, I not not to start a Potter mm-hmm. discussion, but I actually liked how Harry Potter. It could have equally have been someone else, yeah. and it was just kind of a random. Anyway, sorry, that's. I just I just say one more time for people that that didn't catch it. This is this anime is Onigamiden, and I'm not sure if that's supposed to be three words Onigamiden or 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 what, but it's also called Legend of the Millennium Dragon. So you find out that that's not what that translates to, which is weird. I know I I can tell I can tell that that's not what it is, but that's that's you know I think it's actually the the Onigamiden would be the legend of the demon god or the monster god. Yeah, there's something about a dragon in the title. Anyway, so. You find out that June, and this spo- this review is going to have quite a bit of spoilers in it. I mean, this movie is a, is two years old now, and it's not really a, that amazing. So, but it's going to have some spoilers. So, if you wanted to watch it, you maybe should skip ahead to the other review we're doing. But in the movie, you find out that June is a descendant of this clan. I can't remember the name of the clan, but he's a descendant that is able to control. Uh, you know the the dragons, and the, thus he's the chosen one. In other anime, where there's a savior or whatever that comes from another world, like Twelve Kingdoms, they spend a lot of time explaining and giving a good explanation. I think. I mean, there are anime that don't, but the good ones normally do explain it. Even like in Vision of Escaflone, there's enough explanation to make you not, you know, disheartened by the fact that they just make you that they just want you to accept it. So June goes through a number of phases in the movie. And many of them, I think, are very cliche. I mean, the the he at one point he finds himself amongst the the bad tribe, or whatever they're called, the Oni. Um, but he finds himself amongst them in like their village, and you find out that they're just people, normal people that wear these like battle that wear this battle stuff that makes them look like demons. And immediately, I thought of Gundam Age. Because I know I'm probably the only person here who's seen Gundam Age, but in Gundam Age, Kyo in the third arc, they spend the whole anime killing the Vagan, and then he goes to the Vagan planet, and he learns that they're just people too, and, you know, I can't kill them, and oh, it's, they're not really that bad, and oh, I'm so confused, who's the enemy? And you go, and in this movie, you go through this huge phase of exactly what I just said. He, he, he meets these people, he finds a girl, she's cute. Um, he doesn't know what the, he doesn't know who the real bad guy is. You know the 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 Oni say that uh, Gen Un, who's like the head priest of the first group, 
he, he's really the bad guy. Ganon says the Oni are evil. And they're all fighting over this tract of land that has like this mystical lake on it. And, and immediately that made me think of Princess Mononoke. Because you have the Iron Town people, and you have the, the animals in the forest, and both groups are fighting for basically the land, and they're both saying the other group is evil. So this movie, I feel like it borrows heavily from a number of shows. You have pretty much every fantasy anime that's ever come out, and that June is the savior that comes from normal Japan, and he's just a schoolboy that whines a lot. Then you have, oh, he finds himself amongst the bad guys, and he realizes that they're not really so bad. And then you have, oh, they're all fighting over a plot of land. And I think he just borrows from a lot of other shows. You guys have any questions at this point? Uh, uh, yes, I wanted to know if you knew that this is the same studio who's done a lot of stuff, going all the way back to Urusei Yatsa and um, also Twelve Kingdoms. You mentioned Twelve Kingdoms and the similarities uh, in the in the premise. Studio Pier... Pier- Piero. I, or, I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah, P- Piero, I think. Studio Piero. Um, but yeah, they, they're also responsible for Twelve Kingdoms and a bunch, a, a whole bunch of stuff. Which kind of surprised me. I mean, we watched, like you said, the first five or ten minutes of this together, and it struck me as being really, like, pretty, like, surprisingly oh, pretty for not knowing, like, what this thing was. I, I haven't commented on the animation and, you know, and such yet. Oh, okay. But, I mean, it does look, it does look quite nice. It doesn't look, doesn't look bad. I mean, the studio, if you're comparing it to, to Twelve Kingdoms, the studio really just does the art, so. Right. I mean, the director maybe is more influential in the story and how the anime turns out. And, I mean, he's done things like Naruto movies. Mm-hmm. His name is uh, Hirotsugi Kawasaki. And he's done some Naruto movies. He did Spriggan. Spriggan, wow. Which I think, we both, which I think we both know isn't really that great. Not that, it looks good, though. It does. It's very entertaining. A record of Lodos War. Wow. The, the OVA, awesome. <laughs> also not great. So, I mean, really, he hasn't done, and that's pretty much it. So he hasn't really done done a directing role that, that I think is exceptional yet. Spriggan is a very fun movie, though. It is fun. It's very well paced. I like when the French guy comes in. What's his name? Mondo. <laughs> I can't He's remember. Rocket launcher. <laughs> I just remember the one guy that has like a machine has, has like a machine gun arm or something. Yeah, yeah. I thought the premise was kind of cool too, but we're now we're reviewing Spriggan. So. <laughs> anyway, back to Onigami Den. So it sounds like I've moved really fast, but really the show doesn't have much else. It's the story is very simple. There's no like deep meaningful symbolism that occurs. It's a lot of fighting and a lot of this is why I'm good and you should fight for my cause and oh you know, I have to, you have, we have to release the dragon so we can have the ultimate power. And then towards the end of the movie, you realize that, well, it basically turns into like a Godzilla versus Mothra monster movie. I have a question, Mitsugi. What's up? Does he ever say, bring me my dragons? Where are my dragons? No, he goes, what is this dragon doing? It's scary. Well, that's lame. That is lame. It's like swoop picking one out of five. <laughs> so, so the, I want to know. Like, I, I do have a question. What What do you think this movie is like? Because based on on your review thus far, it doesn't sound like the movie has a whole lot to say. Does it have anything to say? Like, what what is what is this character's journey basically? How is he a dynamic character? How is how does he change from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie? 
in a way that's not terribly obvious. It's like he steps up to his calling and protects these people and becomes the savior that he's meant. I to really be. don't think there's anything like that in the movie. Awesome. I mean, he starts out a he, he starts out a sniveling w- wuss, you know, and after about he ends up a sniveling wuss. After <laughs> after about ninety minutes, he he becomes more badass, I guess, because he learns to control the dragon and becomes the hero. But then he just goes back to Japan in the end, so it's not like it's not like anything. He, it's not like he has this deep inner like shift of character where he, you know, learns to be an adult or, you know, uh, learns that there's love in the world or something, something, something more. Because granted, I mean, you do say that that they jump to his his mod, you know, his modern day life and whatever before he gets transported, you know, Kagome style back to whenever. Um, is there anything in his life, like his school life or his social life, that would reflect uh, a change that needs to occur in him, which this you know this kind well, of this journey signifies? They, you know, the change they in only him? spend about five minutes in the present, okay. and it consists mostly of him running away from that black spirit thing. But you do get like maybe two scenes that sort of indicate that he's not a very strong person. Okay, and so it's just about personal strength. Like the yeah, I mean, it's the same way with his... Like, they do a flashback of his father at one point in the movie, and his father was... His father's dead, by the way, because he died, like, a long time ago, but... Spoilers. Oh, I said that there'd be spoilers. <laughs> but um, his father was kind of the same way, kind of a weak-willed person who eventually became a stronger person in adulthood. So, it's not... This story is not really about him. I feel like this is basically just an action movie, much like Spriggan, mm. you know? So it's more about the conflict between the two groups and, you know, who who emerges victorious. And it, it does it have anything? Does it does it say anything about the two sides that are fighting? Is one clearly the villain and one clearly the hero side, or you know, is there some uh, ambiguity there about you know the nature of good and evil and and what that means? And is there any of that? Anything anything interesting like that in there? The show Stop di- asking for so much. I'm crap. sorry. I'm you're, just you're, I'm asking. you're digging really deep into a movie that doesn't have a lot. I mean, well, that's that's what I'm trying to find. For out. example, if you look at the cast list, it has a, a a total of three casted names. There's like awesome. no one. There's like no characters. It's Genun, the who is, um, you know, the the monk from the from the human clan. Jun, who's the boy, and Mizuha, who's the girl from the from the Oni side. And essentially, I mean, here comes some big, big spoilers. So, if you don't want to have spoilers, you know, tune tune it out for a minute. Mitsu- Mitsugi is like, we're gonna have little spoilers. Here's well, the spoiler. Big, well, here's I have a to, huge spoiler. Well, well Cram's a- a- asking questions that demand spoilers. You know, like, is there anything special about who the real villain is? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, that's a spoiler. I'd like so, to know if there's something something worth watching about this movie because so, so far you, it sounds pretty standard so, fare. So here you go. I mean, you start out with he starts out in the in, in the in the Oni realm, or he starts out with the humans, and the humans are all about fighting because it makes them feel alive, and um, they they want to they they want to drive out the Oni because the Oni are evil and attacking, and then he ends up with the Oni, and you find out that the Oni are really more of a group that wants to protect the land, and they were driven out initially, and they think that Genun is is the evil person, and so not so surprisingly, eventually through Genun's own actions of kind of revealing that he's kind of a dark character, which you kind of get initially anyway because he looks like a bad guy. You realize that the initial group that you thought were the good guys are actually the bad guys, and in the end, he ends up fighting on the side of the Oni. 
So, and, okay. it, and it turns into a giant monster movie at the end where... Well, at least that's something. But that, that, that really kind of, as soon as you started saying that the, the Oni are fighting for the land and, you know, maybe for nature's sake... Very much like Princess Mononoke. That's exactly what I was about to say is that, you know... The, and I, I think that that film probably, almost definitely does a better job of painting both sides as... I guess morally neutral, where well, they're they're both seeking their own goals, and they do. Although although the Iron People, the lady, what's her name, Lady Eboshi in, in in Mononoke, gets a little bit diabolical. She does, but like it's very clear that that that, that Lady Eboshi has a very soft side to her. She Absolutely. she takes care of the lepers, the prostitutes, and she's really fighting for her people. And and when you get to the end of that movie, you don't feel like there is a clear cut hero or villain. It's just you know. Things. The end. Yeah, well, the end. <laughs> whereas at the end of this movie, Onigami Den, Genun literally turns into a monster, and he's stomping on his own people, and he's just like this beast that wants power, and he'll do anything to get it. So he's not a very complex character. He he's he's evil, and he wants to have the power, and he'll do anything to get it. I've got the power. And so he's not such a dynamic character as Lady Iboshi, where you can have like a discussion about who. But like nobody's really a villain. They have they each have good reasons mm -hmm. to be in the conflict. Absolutely. So that's not something that this movie provides. Well, I think I. Uh, I it know, looks. I think the, I'll know. I know whether or not I'll be watching this. The good news is that the movie looks great. A lot of the action is very good. It's it's not a movie that requires a lot of thought and effort. I mean, you could put it on with your friends, have some pizza, talk a little bit, go, holy shit, look at that monster, you know? Oh, that girl's cute, you know. There's only one girl in the whole movie, I think. But and it's it, it's an entertaining movie. It's much like Spriggan. It doesn't really require you to do anything except for just be, watch the machine gun bullets fly and think it's fun. Just from the little bit I saw, I was hoping that it would be a little bit more important. What you that. saw, well, the, the first like eight minutes that you saw, is much of what the rest of the movie is like. Is a lot of, I would say probably 65% of the movie is actual f like fighting, fighting. scenes. But the, the action is coherent, you said. It's, 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 it's well put together, it's entertaining. Okay. But the rest of it is him, the five minutes in the human world, the, the time he spends being very confused and just talking to people and trying to figure out what the shit's going on. Looking at the wiki page, I can I can see that it's 98 minutes, which is um, too damn long. You think it's it's too? I was about to ask, like, does it is that 98 minutes a long 98 minutes or is it reasonable? So I think it's long. It feels long. I mean, there's some fight scenes and things that that really could could have been shortened. Okay. And certainly that he doesn't need to be such a whiny bitch. He could have figured things out a little bit easy, more easily. I don't know. It could have been done. It could have been done more con, in a more concise manner, much like the Dragon Ball Z movie recently. Yeah. So should, should have been an hour. <laughs> Onigami Den is not a terrible movie. It's not. It doesn't offer anything new or anything special to anime. And if it's if you if you're looking for a fantasy action movie that you might want to watch with your friends on the weekend and not pay a whole lot of attention to it, it's not like Wolf Children where you have to watch it or like legitimately. I think it's it, it might suit your needs, especially if you like the whole like feudal Japan feel because that's how, how a lot of the movie feels and has monk and monks and magic and shit like that in it. But because it offers nothing new and it's not a particularly special movie, I'm going to give it two and a half, two and a half Oni masks out of five because that's it's just an average movie. There's nothing else to say about it. The trailer looked looked amazing though, so I was a little bit disappointed ten, by it. First ten minutes were kind of good. I was intrigued. But. Well, that first ten minutes was pretty much what was pretty much as good as it'll get for the rest of the movie. So I've seen it. 
awesome. But you have to wait to, <laughs> but you have to wade through like like a total of forty minutes of yawning to get to see all of it. So, uh, someone asked about the OST. That's a great point. In the Bobots go in the chat asked about the OST, and I will say that I do recall the movie be, the music being very out of place. In like rural Japan, with fe- with feudal weapons and things, I expect like. Old school, old style of Japanese instruments like the koto or shamisen, or at least some like drums and stuff, you know. Yeah. But like a lot of the music felt very modern. Like I remember, I seem to recall there being like a lot of some like elect- modern symphony orchestras. N- not even like some electric guitar what? and some random things like that. It, it not not very overbearing and not all the time, but there were definitely points in the movie where I was thinking, this music sounds something like. It sounds like this anime should be set in like normal Japan. Some dubstep. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's too the music. Japan battles with some Skrillex. <laughs> the music's too modern for the setting. In Princess Mononoke, you have like wind instruments and things. Mm-hmm. This is a feature film, so it should ha- has some has some budget behind it. So you know they should have ponied up for the orchestra and maybe you know made a little bit more effort there. I, I won't say the the OSTs awful but it did seem a little cumbersome at places it's a very long review so right on and i know that you have an anime that's a little bit more uh well put together we'll see we'll see oh, <laughs> oh shit this, that was the third this is now the third bad review we've given in a row so well, we'll see how this one goes you, you think a 2.5 is bad 2.5 is average normally my average score is about a three all right because i'm yeah. um yeah, actually, but before I jump into this, I would just like to say, like, the, the way, I guess the way I feel about reviews, like the, the system, the star system, if you will, um, is that if it's a three, I, I liked it. If it's a four, I really liked it. If it's a five, I loved it. And that's that's basically how it goes. And then the half stars are just like, you You're know, maybe a little bit harder of a grader than the rest of us. Um, I would say for me, like, a two is I, I disliked it, and a one is I straight out hated it, loathed it. You know, made me hurt inside, made me shit blood. That was, <laughs> those were hours you will never get back no matter how hard you try. Right, right. Uh, so the show that I'm uh, reviewing today is from this past season, the uh, the, the winter season, and it is Sasami-san Gambaranai, and it is by uh, the very, very prolific sh- studio Shaft, and shock, shock of all shocks, directed by Akiyuki Shimbo. Oh my god, I can't, uh, he's never directed anything before. He should work more, right? No, just kidding. Um, written by Katsuhiko Takayama, music by Yukari Hashimoto. Uh, the synopsis is that uh, the story follows Sasami Tsukiyomi, uh, who is a high school a st- who, high school student shut-in who often stays at home and is doted upon by her older brother Kamiyomi. However, due to unknowingly possessing a god's power, the god Amaterasu, Kamiyomi's habit of trying to appease Sasami often puts the world into chaos, while the three Yagami sisters, who are also gods, Try to put a stop to it, like put the world back in order. That's the basic premise. Um, and this God, show heard, is... It sounds like genre clashing right, or right, right just from the synopsis. I mean, that, and that's one of... I, I will get into my problems with the show, of course. I, I'm going to talk about the things I like first, but that's one of my biggest problems is that it's kind of all over the place. It doesn't know what it wants to be. Um, it's, its message is very simple and clear, but it kind of gets to that message in such a roundabout way that it's it, it, it becomes nothing in particular it wants to be so much that it becomes nothing Mm. but um the show is really strange but kind of interesting um i think it looks really good it's got like these these pastels 
uh, pastel colors looks kind of like watercolors. I think it's really beautifully animated. Yeah, I was gonna say I when I was looking online because we have pictures with all of our reviews and it it looked very very pretty. Mm. This director has directed everything. Yeah, man. I and mean, he's got like <laughs> fifty directing roles to his name. Most of them aren't really that. I, most of them aren't really that special, my, in my lot, opinion. Uh, but it does a lot with its television budget, like animation-wise. Everything has a pleasant kind of watercolor and pastel look to it. Um, especially Sasami's bedroom and house, which is, I guess, conceptually very interesting. Um, it seems that the more unfamiliar the place is to Sasami, the more hard-edged and vibrant everything becomes. So I, I think that that really stands out. You know, the, her her most intimate places, like her bedroom, are really soft and kind of pastel. That's colors really and cool. And then as she ventures out into the world, everything looks more uh, traditional anime style and hard edged, bright colors, and all that kind of stuff. So it, it, I think that's really interesting. Um, I think the performances are actually really good. Uh, Kana Asumi's Sasami is is delicate but jaded, and I think that she brings like a lot to that. That that character um Kamiomi her older brother is played by Ho, uh, Ho, uh, what is his name Hochu Otsuka and he brings a, a, a much needed male to the all female cast like all everyone in the oh cast oh boy here it comes um all female cast Michigan it's an all female cast except for this guy but I think that oh you're talking about the anime I'm talking about I'm talking about the, the I'm talking about the really good job. the three to one Mitsuki theory so um he's the only guy in the cast and uh he has a really great kind of uniqueness to his voice uh, that stands out and uh, is needed here. The Yagami sisters are all kind of typecast though into their roles, but each of their voice uh, actors does a really respectable job with the kind of thankless one note work that they're doing. The music is very diverse and often really charming. Uh, an episode featuring video games uses a bit of 8-bit flair in the soundtrack and then epic battles are underscored with appropriate these like swelling strings and, and whatnot. Nothing feels out of place or distracting. Uh, some horn-heavy battle music toward the end of the series kind of reminds me of the charm of like mid-20th century film scores, like uh, like some of the, J the James Bond movies from the 1960s and 70s. Um, but I think the music is really good stuff overall. Uh, but I think that it is thematically consistent. It's It's about... Sasami's character. It's about her becoming a stronger person and learning how to get out into the real world and kind of overcome her personal problems and uh, not be, you know, the the, the shut-in that she is. Which they get her out of the house in the first like two episodes. So she's so it's not really about her being a shut-in. Not if she, really. If she kind of breaks out of that immediately. Yeah, she breaks out of well, that almost immediately. But it's about her learning how to not be a shut-in. Be you thankful know? they could have spent like seven episodes of the show trying to figure out how to get her out of the room. Yeah, exactly. And she's out. In like two episodes flat and and so it moves pretty quick it does move pretty quick uh, and, and it, you know it's about her learning how to make friends and be in relationships and you know uh, how to deal with like jealousy and things like that those are all themes that pop up so uh, I think that thematically it's very very consistent like it's it, it never becomes about anything but her but narratively it's super messy and it usually takes a little bit for you to realize that what they're doing narratively is actually thematically consistent, but at the same time, it doesn't feel cohesive. Like it's 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 admirable for being consistent, but it's so messy that it's does it's not really that entertaining at, at a certain point because you just you're not invested in anything. You don't feel like nothing nothing narratively is consistent enough for you to be invested in anything. 
Um, I, I think that the simple theme of Sasami growing up and learning to be a normal person achieves culmination through a series of kind of off-the-wall storylines that don't ever seem to be connected to anything in any significant way. Can you give an example? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's this whole storyline with her mother uh, who died and is now a demon or she's from the underworld and her mother comes back and she has to learn to deal with her mother and then almost immediately after that there is a, a storyline with like a stone golem that's possessed by a demon and she has to fight the stone golem and you don't realize until like the very last episode that the stone golem uh, eventually gets the spirit of a girl who is jealous of her relationship with another girl and it just it becomes so convoluted that's so I, I, I thought the show I mean I, maybe I missed something in your review but I thought the show was supposed to be about a, like a modern day setting uh, it, it is, but they, they, there's a there's a time travel episode where they go back in time that that works into the finale. Um, it's it's kind of it's just it's all over the place. Like it's just all over the place. Uh, I think that the series deals with everything from uh, and the, this is another one of my problems. The series deals with everything from culturally enforced incest, like the culture that she grows up in and forces her to have incest with her brother to keep the spirit of Amaterasu between the fam family members. Um, it also deals with troubled parental relationships and jealousy among friends by way of multidimensional beings, ancient gods changing the physical world at their whim, time travel, MMORPGs, and myriad other devices. I got another question. Yeah. This It sounds like they're doing so many different things in this show. I And I wonder if because of that do they perhaps do nothing well and everything sort of average? I would say that I would say that the action in the show is really good. I, I would say that, that, that you can you can kind of handpick out certain things about the show that stand out as being really good, like the animation, the the action is very coherent and very exciting. You know, the, the Yagami sisters all have different special abilities. One of them has like machinery in her body, so like it pops out of her legs and stuff, and she has breast guns. What in the hell? <laughs> pop out. But, you when, know. Well, when I first heard about this show, just from, I haven't seen any of it, but I thought it was going to be a show about a girl learning to. Yeah, I didn't become too. not a, 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 a and he and hikikomori anymore, and learning to reassimilate into society and be a normal person. It sounds like that is just not it at all. I mean, uh, for all of the genres that it kind of dabbles in, you could say that it is comedy, slice of life, romance, etchy, even at sometimes supernatural, science fiction, fantasy, and even horror. Like it's at any given moment, it could be any one of those. Sounds things. like Elf and Lied. It's all over the place. So. All this said, the show ultimately doesn't feel edgy or experimental. It just kind of feels unfocused and uneven and really exhausting. Like, it's it's kind of exhausting to watch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you know, I, I didn't hate the show. Like, I, you know, I can't really say that I liked it, but I didn't really dislike it either. I just, I, I walked away with, I walked away from it feeling nothing at all. I was just like, okay, so, you know, points for getting your character where you needed to get her you know you again thematically consistent you know it's about her growing up and she does grow up and she learns to deal with all these things and you know you feel like she has an, you know, a, a tool belt of of you know you know these kind of social tools to get her on with her life and get her past all of this nonsense that that you know it's taken 12 13 episodes to get through 
but uh, ultimately you're just like, okay, I don't really care anymore. It's just, it's just too much. So I would have to give Sasami Sangambara and I two and a half boob guns out of five. Boob, like the fembots? But yeah, the, there's, a, there's a chick in the show that has these guns that come out of her tits. Machine gun nipples? No, not not the nipples. Like her whole breast just kind of disappears in like a oh, like Cosmos, like a cannons. Yeah, yeah. Probably not of. nearly as cool as Cosmos. Cosmos was a character that was way better than than the rest of that, rest of that game. So um, anyway, yeah, and then then like there's a big boss at the end that some random character that you've never seen before pops up. That that happens a lot in the show. Random characters pop up. They they start a whole new storyline like four or no three episodes from the end of the series. Wow. And new characters pop up that you've never seen three episodes before the end, and that becomes the finale. And I don't know. It's what's the name of the anime? One more time. Sasami San Gambaranai. There's an at symbol in there, but I don't think you pronounce it. So it looks like Sasami San at Gambaranai. Uh. All right. Well, thank you, boys, for your hard work in anime watching. I watched reviews. my movie while I was cooking dinner. Ooh, good job. So that's called multitasking. <laughs> So once again, this was episode 173 of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. You can find us at aaapodcast.com, iTunes. Don't forget to give us a rating. Don't forget to like us on Facebook because we're close to 2,000. And that's facebook.com forward slash anime addicts anonymous podcast. Twitter.com forward slash aaapodcast if you want to keep up with our adventures in Japan. And trust me, especially, spoiler alert, especially today, there might be some photos that you want to Oh, yeah. Uh, Big time photos coming stay today. Stay tuned in. So uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and catch us live on the Ustream.tv at our new time, 9.30 p.m. EST. On Saturday. On Saturday, not Sunday anymore. On Saturday, 9.30 p.m. EST. We'll be looking forward to hopefully seeing some new faces this coming week. Thank you, all of you who joined us um, today. Thank you. We know time shifts are, are rough, and they happen from time to time, but your loyal listenership is what keeps us going. Absolutely. Taking us out tonight is going to be the song Foul Play Ni Kurai or Gua Kurari from the anime To Love Ru Darkness by the artist Kanan Wakishima. So take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. See you later, guys. Bye.